Guys, I have another special person. I hope y'all don't get tired of me saying that, but I'm serious when I say that. She is absolutely beautiful. You, when you see her Instagram, you're going to love her. <laughs> she is amazing. Oh my gosh. I cannot do justice of the work that she's putting out into the earth. So I'm going to let Tony introduce herself. Come on in and tell us who you are and what you do. All right. Well, my name is Tony Suttles. For those watching who are not familiar with my work, I am the founder of My Well-Read Child. Um, I host in-person book fairs and online virtual readings. Um, I started my business three years ago, and I started it because I am a self-published author. And as a self-published author that does not have a publishing house behind them, it's kind of hard to get books in front of our target audiences. My target audience is black and brown children across America. And I wanted to create a platform with like-minded individuals like myself who created books for black and brown children, uh, just to have, I wanted to create a, a, a platform for us, a growing platform, a network for us and a safe place for us. So that is how I founded the Mild Bull Red Child. Our slogan is every child deserves to see themselves represented in the books that they read. You know, in America, we have a problem um, with our forms of media. Sometimes black and brown children or just people in general are not reflected positively. So I wanted to pretty much bring a solution to that problem in the form of literacy, uh, childhood literacy, children's books. So basically that's who I am. I've authored two books, two children's books myself. And I am just out here in the community, strapping up the boots, um, getting these uh, books out here. I work with very well-known authors and um, novelist authors, authors who have just started out, who want to get their feet wet, who want to get their books in these book fairs, who want to get their have their book hosted on our website. I also have a monthly subscription box where children can get books delivered to them monthly. So it's, I mean, it's, my, my business is very like multifaceted, like we're doing a lot right now. And I have partnered with some very, very, very amazing authors. Thank you. Can you go ahead and tell us the website? Because I know people like, let me go ahead and send her my book right now. <laughs> um, we are always looking for authors. I am actually in the process of revamping some things. So I'm going to close membership, but I should be uh, opening membership up here in a couple of months. But if you're interested in learning about what I'm doing, getting your books um, hosted in these book fairs and online virtual readings, you can visit mywellreadchild.com. Send me a message. I'm always available. I am a DM away. I will either get back to you or my my assistants will get back to you. Like, I'm just very eager about, you know, spreading the message, what I'm doing, and just getting, you know, these books that motivate, inspire, and uplift into the hands of children in the D.C. area and beyond. That is wonderful. D.C., whoop, whoop. I am next door <laughs> VA, so, you know. <laughs> yes, I grew up in Southern Virginia, so I love me some VA. I know that's right. <laughs> <laughs> But I have, I saw a post um, yesterday. I follow a lot of homeschooler families. She was made a reel about mind, pretty much mind your own business or um, like play with your own child. Don't play with minds because she educates her children on black history. 
right? We're, we're black. It's a thing. Um, it's not just we're trying to draw attention. A problem has already been here. So I can't take off my skin color. It is what it is. It's our reality, even if you don't understand that. But she was just basically, people was targeting her to ask her, are you spreading a love message when your children are exposed to those kinds of books? So I want to ask you, are you spreading a loving message if you are uplifting Black children in these Black books? Absolutely. Um. I believe what I'm doing is definitely spreading the love message. Um, it's helping build black and brown children's self-confidence. You know, I feel like from a very early age, we receive negative programming and messaging through via, you know, the media. And I think that it rose at black and brown children's self-confidence. And when their self-confidence is low, other areas in their life will suffer, how they view themselves, um, how they're receiving education. And I feel like, you know, Black books with positive messages that uplift and motivate them and inspire them is definitely a message of love. And I want to make a point and I want to make it very clear to people who are out there listening. Black books, Black children books are definitely for white children. I think it's very important for white children to be able to see black and brown babies celebrated on the same exact level that they are because that evens the playing field and there is not a sense of superiority that they may grow up with. You know, when they see, I feel like, you know, when the message is spread that black and brown children are less than, they grow up believing those messages too. And that is what feeds and fuels racism. So, Books that positively uplift, inspire, and motivate definitely is for all children. That that uplift, motivate, and inspire Black children is for all children. And it's definitely a message of love and not hate. Anybody that looks at it and see it as division or hate needs to really look in the mirror and have a hard look at themselves and ask themselves why they believe that that is a message of hate. Yeah, I agree. Because I've never ever spread a message of hate and I I often I often think about other people when I'm talking having these conversations and what I mean is I'm a homeschooling mom of four and usually we're the only black family that doesn't bother me you know I don't care I'm gonna go where I'm invited and so these women have never mistreated me and I feel like Lots of times, Black families are in spaces, especially when we start talking about, and see, this is going to upset me. When we start talking about trying to better our families, is usually around other cultures that do not look like us. That that right there, that statement, we really need to be like, why is that? Like, that shouldn't even be, why? I'm, I'm trying to do better for my family, so I have to move to a white neighborhood. That's a problem. Or I have to join this club and it's all white people. Really? Y'all, let me move past that. (laughs) (laughs) And if I could just speak to that, that's part of the programming that, you know, that I'm trying to dismantle with the My World Red Child platform is just because it's white doesn't mean it's right. And we we don't have to 
take up spaces in white spaces to feel accomplished. We don't have to uh, feel like we obtain a level of success because we are invited now or accepted now into white spaces. Like, no, this is not a separate or separatist like ideology, but it's like, I feel like we as a community have to celebrate and love ourselves first. Yeah. And it's not about being accepted. It's about us accepting ourselves as we are, whether we're light skin, brown skin, kinky hair, 4C, 4B, whatever. It's about us separating the uniqueness and the diversity that is the Black community in America. Yeah, I agree. I mean, <laughs> the more the better. Like dark chocolate, light chocolate, I like, you know. All of it. <laughs> All of it. Because I look at my own kids and, you know, I have two of them light skinned with colorful eyes and the other two that dark beautiful chocolate skin but everybody love their hair because it's silky like we got a little bit of everything just Listen, right now. don't get me going i feel like the black community is probably the most diverse like right look I'm, oh my god <laughs> we are beautiful people mm -hmm. and like my daughter she's 11 and we was just talking yesterday she was like mom i like my curly hair because if it was straight I would get bored because the thing is your curly hair can be curly today and straight tomorrow you know it can be real kinky or you can figure out how to loosen them curls like we are just beautiful and I don't see no other people who can dress up y'all <laughs> the way we can dress like for real today we look you know Egyptian and then the next day we Hawaiian you know what I'm saying that's telling in itself. I mean, hey, black people are the world. And I think that's another conversation for another day. But there's melanated people wherever you go. It's always in that way. And it will all it, it just that's just facts. We kind of have to, you know, just acknowledge that. And yeah, just acknowledge yeah. it, celebrate it. <laughs> because I want to go back to why does it have to be a white thing? And don't don't take that the wrong way if you are white. I got I got white people in my family. I'm not racist at all. Um, love white people. White people love me. So I'm, I know they're going to listen. <laughs> but <laughs> why does it have to be? Why do we have to think that way? Because when we have conversations like this or when we're opening up our own businesses, we get an attack. You're creating just black books. No, that's. That's not what I'm just doing. But why isn't it you're creating just white books? You know, that when I go to the library, <laughs> I'm secluded all because the time. You have a small little African-American section and then that's that on that. And yeah. And then with the materials that they represent us, that's another conversation too because sometimes my kids are not interested in that. Mm -hmm. They want to be like everybody else and I hate to say that but yeah I they want to be ballerinas they want to be scientists they do we gotta keep having this conversation <laughs> <laughs> and do we have to still like I mean I feel like my well-read child when I curate the books that are in my book fairs and that are available online in my bookstore I really seek out authors who are kind of like getting out of the same 
telling the same narrative. Like, okay, yes, we have overcame, we're overcoming. And yes, as black people, we have struggles here in America, but black children don't want to read about um, little David, you know, doing, having to sit in at, you know, fighting white supremacy at seven. Like that, those are tough topics. Like black children, brown children, they want to see want to read. As princesses and superheroes and time traveling and wizards and you know things like things that white kids have the privilege of enjoying, mm-hmm. and it's like why we always gotta fight the power? Like our kids won't deserve to be kids too. So <laughs> that, that is such a good point. It's mm-hmm. such a good point. We just want to enjoy ourselves, yeah. right? And ag- actually, when all this mess was going on around the sixties, around the seventies. I, I and the 80s too I can just see a community like black communities outside playing hot skies and jump ropes is this a community that is really bad because that's what we were taught to believe mm-hmm. no they they we did, did more back then than now because everybody knew everybody's name everybody knew which grandma was going to whoop your butt and tell on you like mm-hmm. I didn't grow up having that but it was there. So what I'm seeing is if it was so bad, how could that love and that support be there if it was that bad? And see, we didn't lost it along the years just because of our view, our yeah, perception. We, we bought into um, the lies. We just going to call it what it is. <laughs> we bought into the, okay, you... We bought it. We we're leaving our communities and the village. We have to restore the village. That is really what it boils down to. Is we have to support each other and we have to create a community where we can all thrive and be successful. So you saying we don't have to wait for nobody? We absolutely shouldn't wait for anybody. Waiting for you, anybody? Well, how you freezing in the house in Texas? You hear me? Stranding mm. on a rooftop in New Orleans during Katrina, mm. we shouldn't wait on anybody. We got to help ourselves because waiting is uh, creating a huge, huge gap. You know what? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. So it's creating a um, financial gap between us and our counterparts. Or, and it's just, it's, it's not conducive. We shouldn't wait um, at all. Like, for instance, I partnered with some uh, great people to send children's books down to the families negatively impacted by the recent Texas storms because it's like, you know what? We can't wait on anybody. We have to be the change that we want to see. We have to be the help that we would need in these situations. And it's, you know, I stuck with literacy and just thinking about children and their mental wellness and how they handle negative um, situations as such. You know, I can't really give a lot monetarily right now, but it's like, okay, well, let me help in the ways that I can. And I think everyone should adopt that mindset. Like, how can I help? Mm. Because waiting is just going to leave you waiting. (laughs) Right, right. It ain't helping nobody. Yeah. (laughs) We just sitting. Hoping. Sitting ducks. We're going to be sitting ducks. <laughs> That's what's going on. With all this potential, I need y'all to realize and recognize what you got inside of you and, and start unleashing it. And what you guys don't know is before I came to this point, I was sitting too. Mm-hmm. Just sitting. 
waiting, not knowing. I have not come to the place that God really was calling me to. Literally. He stopped me in my track and said, baby girl, I'm gonna need you to come on up a level. Cause like that's how far behind I was. I'm I'm on, you know, down on the ground and he three steps in front. Like, and I still would have been dragging if he never told me. I just didn't know. I thought I was doing everything I could or supposed to because we're conditioned. Right, right. It goes back to condition. It goes back to maybe what did your parents know? What because they were affected too. Like each generation was affected differently. And so I feel like me growing up, my generation was very lost. Like as far as the wisdom and the information, it just won't really there. It was like bad information, like be a rapper or entertainer and that's going to be your way out. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Look, that okay, my job. That's pretty much it, right? So that's what everybody was doing. And now we've come to a place where so many people, even if you are still drawn to that, kind of switch it and make it into a business. Like you mentioned books, make books, entertaining books about entertainment or whatever it is, like turn it into a positive, like whatever fashion, girl, if you like fashion, turn it into a business and no, it don't have to. You don't have to do anything for anybody. So if you feel like you're exposing yourself without my clothes, you're exposing yourself to get attention. You ain't even got to do that. Just be you. Just because half that stuff I was wearing and acting, if I was honest with myself, I was uncomfortable. I didn't mm -hmm. like it. I was just doing what I thought I was supposed to be doing. And I see that over and over and over. And you're breaking the mold. You know, the media is the most, powerful entity that that we have to come up against and programming is real um how certain tv shows music books what you see on the news newspapers it influences people um if it it influences people it's just that simple there's no need to even like really get deep into that but the messaging that we have been receiving over, I would say, just the past 50 years has been detrimental. And if we want to make strides, we have to start dismantling that message. We need to start being the overseers of how we're betrayed. That should not be in the hands of anybody that's not in our communities who don't know, like, you know, the ins and outs of it. Like, you know, it's, it's basically we have allowed over centuries well, not allowed because I mean we kind of forced into this situation, but now we're as we've reached strides here in America where we can take the pen and we can start creating and changing these narratives. No one needs to tell us how we should be acting, dressing, behaving, wearing her wearing our hair, et cetera, et cetera. It's 2021. It's 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 up to us. We can't wait on anyone. We can't wait on the okay our approval so we just got to kind of take our power back that is so good because what you said about should not allow others to tell us who we are when that goes back to the waiting i think because we somewhere in that because at first we did everything for ourselves everything and they didn't Oh my, I'm so mad right now. They hear that from everybody. 
white people was affected just as much as black people. They hid that stuff. We never saw ourselves as the the answer. So I think that was really what made us to just wait. Oh, this is the only way that our answer is going to come because every time we try, you know, it gets blown up. Like something forceful, bad happened. Violent, y'all. I don't think y'all understand what I'm talking about. Not no little stuff. Some real violence happened against our communities for standing up and still happening. And where y'all been? <laughs> Not even standing up. Sometimes we're just existing, just living life. Mm. Oh my gosh. And what do you. Take your time on this. What do you really hope from the books? Because one person can just say, is it, do it take all that? Is it really important? Like, why, why? You know, what do you really want to do? So here's the thing with me. I don't wait on anyone's approval. Anyone's yes. Anyone, go girl. I don't need that. I don't need praises. Because the work that I'm doing is bigger than me. It's bigger than my children. Is going to have impact from now to centuries to come. Like what I am literally doing is changing a narrative one book at a time. One book at a time, changing the way little brown and black babies view themselves. They're not inferior. They're just, they, they're, we are amazing the way that we are and the way that we exist, the way that we look, <laughs> the way that we may speak. We don't have to be accepted into white spaces to accept ourselves. I mean, we're divinely created. We are a reflection of the most high and that's just what it is. Mm. And so we step into fully into that glory and the, you know, divinity. It's just, we don't, <laughs> we, uh, yeah, like. So you I, just, you just stepped, just on some toes. <laughs> you stepped on some toes. You better not talk about <laughs> Jesus. What? I'll, I'll just leave it at that. But I mean, they know who we are. That's that's why. Oh they, my gosh! <laughs> they don't. You better see. And that's why they have. That's spent. why we're pressed, y'all. If you don't know who you are, read your Bible. You're right, 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 right. Because so. the first time that I heard that message, maybe three, four years ago, and they was like Sharice, they think we're Hebrews Jews. I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense because all my life I felt lost, like I was Indian. And my parents, my mama kept telling me, Sharice, you ain't Indian. Like, we don't have, mom, I know I'm Indian. Everybody tell me I'm Indian. Look at my hair. Look mm -hmm. at my hair. My grandma was so pale, light-skinned. Like, mom, you sure she ain't Indian? And then my <laughs> then my grand, my granddaddy had, like, the green eyes. Mom, you sure we ain't Indian? Like, girl, you better listen. You better read some Frederick Douglass. We about as native as they come. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Like these people will tell us everything about ourselves and we, it's really up to us to, you know, determine like our, our space in this world. As long as we're allowing other people to tell us who we are, where we're from, we're going to always feel lost. Mm. No other culture in this world but the American culture has allowed an outside force, an outside oppressive force to tell them who they are and where mm. they come from. Wow. People in Ghana are not walking around confused about 
their Ghanaian, you know, ancestors or people in India are not walking around confused about their Indian ancestors. This may be a little off topic and you can cut this out at the end, but I mean, we have to acknowledge our, our, in our Native American roots. We have to. And that's why we're so confused about like who we are because we're, we, we've been told lies. You cannot expect the enemy or an oppressive force to tell you the truth about you. That is not the way of the enemy. The enemy is the author of lies. So it's up to us to discover the truths. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of it lies in history and doing your own research and reading. Yeah, it goes back. And that's what I, I'm glad you mentioned it because our identity means everything. How do you uncover the truth? You just said it in that book. And that wisdom and that knowledge understanding. That's what my beautiful book falls is founded upon you guys. And it just, my mind is blown because we did not plan this conversation, but it, it keeps, <laughs> the message keeps, I forgot the word because I'm going to mess up the word, irreating. <laughs> no, I can't say it. So I'm going to cut that out. But <laughs> what, it, what word are you trying to say? It's not with an I. It, irritating. Is it irritating? I can't think right now. And and girl, now I'm gonna see. Look, I I could I could say it, but I can't say it right now. <laughs> okay, it'll, it'll come to us. It's gonna come later. <laughs> but basically, it's just it just comes back in full circle. Like, it, I don't forgot. <laughs> I got my mama brain. I need some more smoothie. <laughs> right. It's all good. It's all good. So let's switch. Okay, we talked about identity and reading. Can you help us out? Because you started at one time talking about self-care, self-love, and just loving ourselves. How do you, first of all, how do you do that in your books and or with the children and families that you meet? And then how do you do that for yourself? So self-love. I mean, self-love is definitely, it's not a destination. It's a journey. It's going to be a lifelong journey because as we grow, I mean, we come into this world with no concept of time, people, places, identity, all of those things are told to us or we learn through, you know, our environment. And we just have to, one thing I don't really feel like we're taught, and I think we're kind of changing the title on this a little bit, is, you know, how to love ourselves. And um, we're not really taught self-love and we're born into an infrastructure that hates black people let's just be really weird and i'm not weird let's be very transparent it's not we're not in a situation where we should mince any words because it's dire like we literally could turn on the tv at any given time or youtube search a video and see a black man or child being harassed or killed by police officers or you know or a woman brought up in a society of hate we don't feel a lot of love from the country that we live in so it's only like, it'll only make sense that, you know, we would struggle um, with self-love because we're internalizing the hate that they give us. You know, thug life, what Tupac talked about. I just, I just think it's like a one of those things where you just take it a day at a time. You just start off small. Start loving the hands that, you know, allow you to hold, you know, your partner's hand or your little child's hand and start loving the way your voice sounds like you just have to really start small to start loving on yourself and loving those around you that's important too 
That is so good when you said it's not. A, I, I'm a book. I'm a butcher it, but it's a journey, <laughs> basically. Mm-hmm. That is so true because I remember going back and forth, like just with the natural hair movement. I and I love my hair, and everybody used to tell me growing up, "We love your hair. Don't get a relaxer." And I hated it. I hated it because that for me that was my identity. Mm-hmm. And so when I straightened it, I was trying to change who I was. Worst mistake in my life, right? So in when I got older, high school, I didn't know it at the time that I was going natural and then I would grow it back. I just thought I couldn't grow my hair. So I kept cutting it. Y'all, the lies we believe are so stupid. Anyways, like literally it would grow and then I would cut it. And it won't grow. Okay, move on. Um so I was going through that cycle for like a very, very long time. It wasn't until the point where I just said, I have got to like myself first before I try to get feedback from other people. And mm-hmm. I was maybe in my early 20s. It did not matter at that point who liked it, who didn't like it. It mattered if I liked it. And it's, and I felt like I just felt like a release and a freedom because I cut my hair one more time and I looked in the mirror. I felt ugly and I just felt the Lord was like, you don't have to be ugly. You don't have to stay ugly, but you have to know what it is like it's in your mind first. It's a, it's a spirit first. Then I rejected it. I said, no, I'm not ugly. And from that moment, even though nothing literally changed, I was free. I hope this makes sense to somebody. And I started smiling. Just think about what beauty takes. I started smiling. I started caring for myself. Like the whole atmosphere changed just from that moment. Looking in the mirror and saying, nah, I'm not about to be ugly for the rest of my life. <laughs> but I had I had to make that choice. I had to make that decision. Did you ever find a point in your life that could relate to that? Like, did you have to make a choice? I'm going to love myself and I'm going to be this. Oh, I have to make that choice every single day. And that's why I'm very adamant. Like, self-love for me personally is definitely a journey. Like, I have to get up every day and decide to love on me. So, yeah, this it's an everyday choice because there are times when I may not feel like I'm measuring up, but who are, who's creating these standards? And I realized, like, sometimes I'm the one creating these, you know, high standards when I can just accept who I am in that moment, accept where I am in the moment, and realize that everything is on the right track and, and you know, it's in divine timing. Yeah, that is so good. I think every woman really need to have that conversation accept who you are in the moment accept the moment because you you're going to have it and then Mm -hmm. you start talking about having your own business like every time a season in your life change you got to go through the same process of learning and growing and all of these changes so give yourself grace absolutely oh my gosh this is so good. Look, I got one more question. Don't get mad at me. <laughs> a lot of people <laughs> assume light skin people have it easier than dark skin. Can you touch on that? Oh, absolutely. 
um, you know, being a light-skinned woman my whole life, <laughs> I feel like um, in workspaces, we are viewed as less threatening. Um, it's easier for us to fit the mode of assimilation, if that makes sense. You know, light-skinned people, not all, but some of us may have, you know, less kinkier hair or um, features that may be viewed as a little bit more European, you know? Oh, her nose isn't, her, her nose is, I guess, more white or her eyes are light or her hair is straighter. Like, I just feel like well, uh, light-skinned people are is viewed as a little, like, just less threatening, more, like I said, if it's the mode of assimilation, now being a light-skinned child <laughs> in the Black community is not always pleasant because I feel like something that's not really talked about a lot is just how little dark-skinned girls are teased. It is the same <laughs> for, you know, light-skinned girls. We're called white girls or we're not fully accepted. Like me, like I'm a light-skinned woman, but I don't have a white parent. And sometimes a lot of people may, you know, look at me and be like, oh, you're biracial. But both of my parents are just happen to be great, as we call it in the South. And um, I mean, it's just, you know, it's that topic. Ignorance. Can, I'm sorry, y'all. <laughs> you know, I that topic can saying. get, it can get a little deep because it's like, it's a lot of preconceived notions. Oh, she's stuck up or she may be like this. And a lot of those things aren't true. I'm very down to earth, very humble. You know, I don't really even think about my complexion, you know, unless it's brought up, you know, but I do know for a fact that in corporate America and in the workspaces, like skin people tend to be less threatened. So it just, that's just what it is. I'm glad you touched on the picking as children because I thought I was dark skin. I, I did. I thought I was ugly and dark mm-hmm. and guys, I'm not light, light, but I'm, I'm I'm chocolate. I don't think chocolate, dark chocolate, is, but milk chocolate. That's that's the color of my skin. And so I would look in the mirror and I would think I was dark and ugly. And even dark skin is still not ugly. Like, I don't know why we assume because you're brown, you're black, that term, that is ugly. Like, when you hear black, ugly. I don't like that. That's a problem. Oh, yeah, and that's part of, you know, the programming the dismantling of the programming that I'm trying to do with the work that I do is like we need to celebrate all skin tones and we should not, you know, automatically assume that dark skin is a bad thing or is ugly. We shouldn't even like the, the terms are not even synonymous. Like it shouldn't even in 2021, we shouldn't even be. We should so much past that at this point. Yeah. Like we have bigger fish to fry than like skin complexion, but that's part of like years and years and years of negative conditioning, and that's why it's so important that we take control of this narrative that's being, you know, been, and even take control of it in our own households. You know, don't yes, don't because I'm I'm on my kids all day, y'all mm-hmm. brothers, y'all sisters. And you also mentioned you don't have, you're not biracial. My children are not biracial, y'all. <laughs> My little girl, she came out just as light, bright as she wanted to with black, silky hair and gray eyes. And my uncle said, Sheree, you got something to tell us? I was like, what? <laughs> but that's our people. And I, I enjoy every minute of it because they are beautiful. And I love going around 
spreading my culture and my awareness because at one time I would have believed into the lies. I was gonna ask my parents again, are you sure we ain't got white, you know, because mm-hmm. I just didn't know. <laughs> I mean, it's possible you may have some white up in your DNA ancestry or you might have some deep-rooted Native American ancestry. So it's just... And actually, we are um, researching our family history right now, as you mentioned. So I encourage you guys, if you're lost in identity, maybe just try and start, be the start for your own family. Pick up those pieces, get some names. Let's start, you know, being DNA tested. Because I think it is, I think it's a deeper meaning to what's going on. And if we don't have conversations like this, we probably wouldn't even think about it. But y'all something going on okay we we need to catch up we need to catch up (laughs) or get left behind Uh, (laughs) i thank you so much for coming on oh my god this was a beautiful conversation and um yeah we definitely we have to stay in touch because you are doing some amazing work and i just i love to support and hopefully when everything open back up I can start traveling up that way because I got family up there too. But DC and VA, where I'm at, it's only like two hours away. Where are you? Are you in Richmond? I'm not. I am 45 minutes from Richmond. It's like East Coast. What city do you live in? Nowhere, Tappahannock. Oh, okay, Tappahannock. All right. You heard of it? It's 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 weird on the in the northern neck. You heard of northern neck? Yes, ma'am. I'm from Virginia all day. Okay. <laughs> I grew so, up in Norfolk. <laughs> 